0: today in the attorney career advice podcast with harrison barnes
1: and i didn't catch it i rely on you to catch all this stuff associate senior associate right away you need to resolve. i want to be part of your tribe uh, this is what I how significant is that i was at this is fun okay so let me pull up something here and we'll get started and it looks like there's quite a few questions so that's great and questions by the way are, are I love taking questions because I think this is actually my one of my favorite parts of the week. Is taking questions because it's just pretty cool that people are that ask so many questions many times because it's a good way to really know things that are important for people in their careers. So um, I'm going to start with this. I'm not this. I'm doing these kind of out of order because it's fun that way, and I'm not reading them all. Okay. So the first question is: I have some aspects, uh, let me see here, and I will answer all these questions I should have time to do. So. I've experienced some aspects of being in a tribe at my firm, including good relationships, working with influential partners who give me a ton of work and mentored me, and a lot of positive feedback, even as a new associate. However, I've also experienced and seen a lot of instability in my firm, partners screaming over a mistake and publicly berating me, and they're blaming me for the stakes. How should I evaluate this in the whole? I've lost a position before, and I am cautious. Okay. What you're saying, by the way, is actually a sign many times of a good firm. And I'm, I want to preface that with a couple of things. So when I clerked for, and I was telling someone the story actually yesterday. So I clerked for a federal judge and, and when I clerked for him, I was there about three weeks and, and I, he came and basically to my desk and, and he was I could feel just this hostility, like in the air, from a very relatively nice guy. I could feel this hostility, and 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 so he took me into his chambers, and he had two doors in his chambers. He never closed both doors unless there was something highly confidential or uh, something serious. So he closed both doors, and he sat me down at a at a desk, or not, and sat me down, and I had written. Just out of, you know, love for the subject matter, some, which he wasn't asking to do, some sort of memo of 10 or 12 pages about uh, some legal issue. And, and then he pointed at something on one of the pages. And it was something, it wasn't this, but it was something like, I used there as T H E R E as opposed to T H E I R. And he was very upset about it. He was like, it was, it was mad. He said, like, you can't do this. This is not acceptable. He was very mad. What if this has been a, a decision that was published and, and I didn't catch it? I rely on you to catch all this stuff. And, and he was, I didn't know that this is how things worked and how serious it was. From that point on, I proofread everything. I spent more time proofreading than I would when I would actually writing the thing. So if I wrote something, for example, when I got into a law firm, if I wrote a letter that was three or four pages and I maybe finished it at four, I would be there till eleven o'clock at night just reading and rereading and improving and and before I give departments the next morning. And that's how it was. And actually I did extremely well when I got into big law firms because I learned how important that stuff is. Now I'm not saying I did well in everything, but in terms of people asking me for repeat work and and that sort of thing. So this is something that you need to adopt. You need to adopt a paranoid approach to doing the best work possible, to to not making mistakes, and because this is a lot of what it is. And let me just tell you the reason why. So what happens when partners give work to clients or show work to clients is there's always usually a general counsel is reviewing the work or an assistant general counsel. So if the assistant general counsel Sees typos and errors and things, then the assistant general counsel may not even understand the legal arguments that are being made or what's happening because it's not—it's their job to generally understand it. But if they see uh, typos and other problems in their work or conclusions that are a little bit tenuous, and then but usually it's typos or misspellings or off paragraphs or just spacing errors things. So if they see those sorts of things, then the general counsel would jump up and down. And say what what's going on here? What is this type of? And the partner will be very embarrassed, and it will look like that they may have to discount the bill, or they will apologize. And some of your biggest firms, like your your most prestigious firms, like work product like that, just doesn't happen to come out. It's just they're on top of it. So my point is that this is a lot of what being an attorney is. Now, if you work at certain types of firms that are doing that don't care about that, they typically have smaller clients, and you're not going to make as much money. And, and the clients will care, but and maybe there's not even uh, anybody looking over the work. So the point is, is that you have to really just be very, the bigger the firm or the more, the better the attorney you're working for, this sort of stuff is important because it's basically the idea is, and I'm not saying this is right, but the idea is that, because your legal conclusions need to be trusted. So if you are producing work with typos and mistakes, then the idea is that your legal conclusions, even though they could be the most brilliant things in the world, can't be trusted because you've done made all these errors. Uh, and so then they have to go back and think about your reasoning and how you did things. And therefore, this person is probably not considered a good attorney. That's just the thought process that goes uh, on. So I, I want you to understand how important that is at certain, firm, certain firms. Certain firms it's not. But most, so you should be using Grammarly and you should be checking your writing and checking your emails and doing all that sorts of stuff before you show anybody new work. There's always a tendency among young attorneys or new attorneys that once they produce some work product, uh, they're very excited about it and they want to forward it to the partner or the associate, senior associate right away. You need to resist that urge because your number one priority is to produce a perfect work product. And if you don't, you will be judged harshly. So even though you may have given the work to the person earlier uh, than you otherwise would have, they're still gonna be, they're not gonna appreciate your conclusions or anything if there's a lot of mistakes with it. So that's what you need to understand. And if you're getting a ton of work and being mentored, that's a very good to understand. Um, but if you've seen um, people screaming at you publicly over a mistake uh, or people blaming you for your mistakes, Um, that's a sign of a couple of things. One, I thought were you, what I would do is I would avoid uh, taking work from those partners in the future because you may never be able to please them, but you should take uh, the idea that you need to be very careful about the type of work you do and you turn in because uh, if you're not, excuse me, I was talking all day yesterday and Monday because someone was taking my deposition um, about a stupid case. Um, but um, i was talking like eight or 10 hours a day. So now I'm doing this. but So that's something just um, the way to think about. You typically, uh, you avoid uh, the people that are problematical or when you do work for them, if you have to, you just blow them away with the quality of your work and you work harder than uh, you normally would. And that can be very um, helpful. Okay. By the way, if you ask questions and like you're logged in to Zoom and it shows your name, Um, I'm not going to um, copy or show your name. I'm just going to, I will just cut and paste the question as opposed to putting it up like that. I know people like that.
0: Do you know the secrets to getting your dream legal job? We do. And one of the best things you can do is apply to jobs that fly under the radar. Applying to openings with very little competition means you stand a much higher chance of getting hired. But how do you find openings like that? For starters, you're not going to find them on major job boards, because these jobs are usually only advertised on companies' websites and in small regional publications. That is why we created Law Crossing, the most comprehensive database of legal jobs in the world. We have a team of people constantly working to find every single legal job out there. Unlike other job boards, which only list jobs that companies pay to post, We include every legal job we can find in order to maximize your chances of finding a job. So what are you waiting for? Head over to www.lawcrossing.com to find your dream legal job today.
1: Okay, how do you suggest approaching the topic of finding a tribe during a job interview without jeopardizing the chances of being hired? One of the things that is important is to find Shared interest. Another thing that's important is to try to try to figure out what type of people these are based on what they are, and then make sure that you say things that that they might appreciate with shared interest. Meaning, shared interest. It could be political. It could be I don't know. But you can find it. So, what is an example? When I got my first summer associate job at a big firm in New York, I was interviewing and there was a partner that had gone to fordham law school and fordham law school is a very good it was interviewing me fordham law school is a very good is a good law school in new york city but it doesn't it's not ranked that highly and i was at the going to a highly ranked law school he was interviewing someone better law school and this probably isn't the greatest example but i'll give you an indication of it so i'm interviewing with this guy this is like the screening interview at law school and very competitive firm, like, you know, basically hired people with better grades than me. And I'm interviewing with him. And he says something about how, when he was in law school, and I said, oh, you went to Fordham? And he said, yeah. And I said, well, my best friend went there. and um, He's part of that consortium, because uh, there's a consortium in these Catholic law schools, and, or, and colleges and schools, where uh, if one of your uh, parents teaches there, or is a member of the priest or something and you can go to these law schools and I said yeah he loved it there and he was part of the consortium and he didn't have to pay any, didn't have to pay to go there and he said yeah this is the same reason I went there my my father was this and I don't know and something I connected with him uh, on, a, on a thing where I could have acted like I was a big deal because I was a good law school so I figured out uh, a way to connect with him based on that and then after connecting on that We were able to connect on something else. I don't remember what it was, but just something about him with the firm. So you try to connect with people because if you connect with people, they will remember you. So people remember someone making them feel good about their life and their upbringing. And it's just, there's ways to connect. So you need to figure that out. And I don't know how to do it. I wish I was better at human relations than I am, but we all do our best, but you need to figure that out. And if you do, then you do very well. I'll just tell you another experience. I was in law school and there was this guy, we were both interviewing with this small law firm in somewhere in the South. I don't know, but that was composed of some, but it wasn't a big law firm. It might've been 10 or 12 people somewhere in the South. And, And this guy went into this interview and I could hear him because I was sitting outside the door and he was... And then, I think the door was closed, but I was sitting like directly outside of it. And he was going on and on about how great it would be to work with a small firm and the people protect you and it's pretty good to be a small town for the community and all this kind of stuff. And, and, and I couldn't believe it. He was such a great salesman. Everything he was saying, it was blowing me away. I was like, this is how people do interviews. And, and then, so he was basically saying, I want to be part of this. This is what I want. This is incredible. This is my career. And he just blew the woman away. And I just went in and was like, blah, blah, blah. and And I probably would have done much better in my interviews if I wasn't like that. So my point is that in, and that guy, by the way, then I was like, wow, you really blew him away, blew this woman away. And I can't imagine looking at the job. And he said, oh, I've got a bunch of offers. I'm probably going to accept one from Latham Milwaukee's in New York, but you know, I'm just doing my best. And I was like, what? And so he was almost being two-faced and, and compete and telling the person something that he thought she wanted to hear and, and it worked. I don't think that's honest, but I'm just telling you, you need to uh, figure out ways to bond um, with your interviewers and, and the people and make them feel uh, that you want to be part of something They have. That was basically, he was basically saying, I want to be part of your tribe. Uh, this is what I want. Um, when I identified with a guy that went to uh, Fordham, I was saying, I have friends that are part of your tribe. I love your tribe. I understand why you went to that school because it's, you know, it was free. Maybe you could have gone to a better school, and that's exactly what he said. He said, "Yeah, I would have gone to a better school. I got into other ones, but this was free because I was part of this Catholic. It's part of this Catholic consortium of different schools. Like my friend, University of Detroit, is a Catholic school and part of that consortium. And so that's why. And his mother, I think, was a nurse there or something. I don't know, that's had some kind of role." And I'm sorry, she was a professor, like a teacher, a professor. So that's why he was a part of that consortium. So this is exactly what that guy said. And I was able to bond with him on that. So you just bond with people in different ways. And, and that's one example. For lawyers considering opportunities abroad, how does a concept define one's tribe apply in the context of international legal markets and cross-cultural experiences? And what factors should I consider in making decisions? So I would be very careful of going overseas uh, to work. Uh, Sometimes uh, there's a lot of demand, for example, for uh, capital markets attorneys, which is U.S. securities. There's demand for people that attorneys speak English, attorneys speak Japanese in Japan. There's demand for demand for different types of attorneys, sometimes project finance attorneys. There's demand for a lot of different types of international attorneys. The problem is those people, again, I've been doing this for a quarter of a century. So the people that go to those firms almost never make partner. I've seen a couple instances of it, but it's just weird. They'll make partner at a a law firm in Bangkok, and they'll be there for four or five years. Then they'll go to another firm in Singapore, and they'll move around. And then, then they might end up in Hong Kong. This is what the resumes tend to look like. So I just I would be very careful. I think that if you join uh, international law firm abroad, uh, now if it's a U.S. law firm, uh and and, and you join that firm, there, there's a lot of examples. People really great international law firms like New York firms and Hong Kong and. Morrison and Forrester with all its international offices, it's not to say that you can't uh, do well there, um, but in general, um, it's much harder to get ahead. And I'm just saying that just from a business standpoint, Hong Kong, of course, has gotten a lot more difficult. So you just need to be very careful about all this and and taking those, taking jobs like that. The only other thing I would caution you on is in terms of taking those jobs, uh, you need to be, you just need to be very careful. And that's all. And because you're never going to really be part of that culture, you're almost never going to be accepted as part of that culture. And it's very difficult. So one example, this is just a very good example, is LLMs, several of them, like multiple ones, like 10 or 20, apply to BCG every day for jobs. And in my entire experience of seeing thousands of these LLMs, I have not seen any of them get permanent jobs in the United States. Now they will get jobs as like a foreign legal associate or something for a year or two in international arbitration. They'll get these jobs that sometimes look at U.S. jobs, but never have I seen one of them. Now there's some examples of Quinn Emanuel, for example, hired a bunch of them from Harvard Law School that were getting LLMs years ago. And this is when I was there and, and did that. But it is very rare. People that I talked to, I talked to, I remember talking to someone and they're like, Harvard Law School has a good LLM program and they were like, I don't know how many people there are, but like, they often take two people from every country or something. And they were saying that only one person got a job in the U.S. The U.S. is no different. People are more likely to hire people from uh, local firms uh, because they're not going to leave. Their allegiance is to that country. Uh, they have family. They have uh, support. They have um, it's easy to. Um, they don't need visas and the visas don't need to be reviewed. And so it's just very difficult to work internationally. And I just, anybody that wants to do that, I would you know, caution you that um, it's a very dangerous decision. It may look sexy, but you are never going to, in most cases, again, it's not in all cases, but the people, and I place international attorneys, I'm not saying it's impossible, but when I place international attorneys, most of them are at the firm for a couple of years and then they have to come back to the us, but was just this. Okay. Given the appeal of higher salaries and financial incentives at money driven firms, young attorneys often find it challenging to resist these temptations. What advice should you give to um, those crop and decisions to prioritize their tribal financial gains in the early stages of their legal career? Okay. So uh, I realize uh, that um, a lot of this presentation um, has been a complete buzzkill for people that want to work in large firms. That is not my intent. Um, I'm telling you that a lot of the unpleasant things that happen in large firms uh, can be detrimental to your legal career. But here's what I'll also say to you. I believe that there's no better place in the world to get good training than in a large law firm, the bigger the better, because they're doing all these things where they're uh, teaching you to produce good legal work where they're, they're teaching you to be um, a guard about things. They're showing you to be careful of people coming after you and hurting you, just with rumors or work or talking about. So there's a lot of stuff you learn in a big firm that you would not learn and become without it. The same thing goes with people that go to certain schools that teach them ways of thinking and stuff. If you go to Yale Law School, you're suddenly interested in these public service jobs. And we're now working in law firms where if you went to Harvard Law School, it's just not what you would, where you would go most of the time. Different environments shape different people. So I will tell you with 100% confidence that you go to a big firm and you spend four or five years there, you're going to probably come out as a better attorney with better legal skills than you would if you joined a smaller firm, just because uh, big clients demand that. They demand the best. So there's nothing wrong with going to a big firm, but you just need to understand the risk and you need to be able to walk away from that at some point um, when you uh, are ready because it could destroy you so when's a good time to walk away uh, and do something else i think that uh, it generally takes uh, to become an attorney that knows what they're doing and uh, is competent meaning you can handle almost anything that comes your way and you can actually learn your weaknesses and where you can improve that takes from three to five years just you graduate from law school uh, essentially you have no idea what you're doing. The same thing goes uh, after your first year. You're In your first year, a lot of your time's written off, you're learning on the job. Uh, in the second year, less. And then by the third or fourth year, when you're a mid-level associate, that's like the prime, like the best time. A lawyer Law firms will hire mid-level associates. Attorneys will get more jobs as mid-level. They're very marketable as a mid-level associate. Just because they know, the law firms do, at three to five or six years, that you've been trained, you're a marketable commodity, you know what you're doing. So is the best place to do that in a large firm? Probably. So I'm not criticizing large law firms. I'm just saying what can happen. You can get laid off. You can All these things can happen in a large law firms. It may not happen uh, in another environment. I personally would c- caution um, everyone to try to probably get into the best law firm you can when you're in law school and then then and then fix everything and if you are really well there then you can stay but if it's too much then find a smaller firm it's like that with schools you go to i have relatives one of them is at scadden and he had two options one was to go to a bunch of law schools on full scholarship because he had good grades and high SETs. and then and then the best law school he got into was nyu which gave him no money like nothing. And and so he had to take on all this debt. So he was asking me, what school should I go to? Should I go the one that gives me the scholarship or should I go to NYU? And I said, without a doubt, you should go to NYU. You have more options for jobs. You'll network with better people. You You can work in a bigger firm and get trained. The advice is to probably to go to the best firm you possibly can when you're young, if you can, and then to transition out of that into a firm that kind of matches and is your tribe later. But even with the big firms that you're taking jobs at, um, you should try to go to the one where you feel most comfortable. You know, you get a job at um, one big firm that's a lot more prestigious than another firm. Maybe that's the best decision for you. You just need to be um, very careful um, with all this.
0: Do you want to grow your legal career? A lateral move might be the right choice to get you on track for your career goals. Working with a legal placement firm like BCG Attorney Search can open doors for you and help you live the life you dream of. If you're looking for a new legal job, send us your resume so we can help. Visit www.bcgsearch.com and click on Submit Resume to be paired with one of our legal placement professionals who will work tirelessly on your behalf to get you your dream legal job. Submit your resume to www.bcgsearch.com to get started today.
1: This question is, can um, you re- recommend some articles on how to identify fittable tribal style firms in research and interview processes, how to pick up signs and clues more effectively? It's really like this. Sometimes you meet people and you just feel like very at ease and comfortable around them. And that means something. There's an interesting thing that I'll just tell you. I was in India. And there's always these spiritual people all over India. It's just anyway, they'll put up a little say God appeared on a street corner and they'll put up a little shrine or something. This is fun. But but there was this woman that was taking me to see this person that apparently would give you a a spiritual awakening. And when she did that, and this is physical in nature, but I'm not, she touched me on the arm and she said, touch me on the arm. And I did. And she said, There's different people you will connect instantly with their energy and and there's others where if you touch them it doesn't feel like anything so think about that there's people you touch and you just feel really off other people you touch you feel a, a connection like the energy is the same or the energy is better or something like that and how significant is that i was at this is fun i took my daughter to a bruno mars concert and and this is in las vegas it was a couple months ago or and we were sitting there and we We were able to get front row tickets, which was a ton of fun. And so we were there and this woman, like for whatever reason, touched me on the neck or something. And it was like one of these things where I I felt like this really good energy and I didn't know what it was. And this doesn't mean I wanted to jump in the sack with her or anything. It's just sometimes you run into people where there's just like this energy that matches. And so it's like that with talking to law firm and talking to people in law firms. Sometimes you will just instantly connect with them and you will feel something and and it's not physical in nature it's just a connection and and then you're excited about it i've met people before this one of these a woman that was my best friend for a while one of my best friends there was nothing physical going on but we met each other and and instantly started talking about how we both lived in uh, thailand and how now we ran businesses where we are very similar in nature where we're um, hiring the same sorts of people, and and so we just really connected in a business standpoint, and and that was nice. And then we became friends. She just reached out to me right after I talked to her, and then we would talk about business. So there's just people that you connect. It could be in business, it could be the kind of people we become friends with, and, and there's firms that will have the same sort of understanding of the world that you do. And so that's the way, one of the way, one of the ways I would think about that
0: that's all the time we have for this edition of the show. If you are an attorney looking for a change, head on to bcgsearch.com.